0: Well, we are live once again. Today is November 9th. Got the date right on the first try. Today's November 9th, and we're back with the MMA Ratings Podcast. I'm Rafael Garcia, here to talk all things mixed martial arts. Sean Hume will be with us in a few. He says he's on his way to get on the show. As usual, he'll be here to bring us some fight analysis. And I guess we have some big events to talk about this week, I guess we can sit here and we can have a conversation about what is probably the biggest um, showcase in mixed martial arts history as UFC 205 is going to go off Saturday, November 12th, live from Madison Square Garden. And boy, is it featuring One hell of of an event. I mean, the only thing that they could probably do is find a way to fit Ronda Rousey on this card. It would have been a mega showcase, but they couldn't. However, they got just about everyone else. So as we already know, you know, um, what we're going to talk about today, we're not going to do full fight breakdowns for every single fight just because there's so many fights on this card that could be talked about. Instead, we're going to, um, once strongest is here, I guess we'll talk about the the main, uh, the, the big five, The uh, I guess the main card, talk about the show as a whole, and just talk about the event from um, top to bottom. So let's have fun with this. First and foremost, where are we going to start? Um, man, like... I wrote a piece for MMA Ratings this week that's talking about the impact of UFC 205. And I think the ramifications of this show are going to go well beyond just these 13 fights. And what I mean by that is that these men and women are going to be on the biggest highest gross probably the highest grossing event wise and pay-per-view wise show in promotional history what that means is that these individuals will have much more leverage and much more i think that they're gonna they're gonna make some great paydays out from usc205 i'm looking forward to seeing what the um what the what's the word what the uh, disclosed payouts are because I think that these people are going to make bank hold on one second let me um Just had to send Sean another invite for the show, but yeah, as I'm saying, I think UFC 205 is going to be a monumental event for the industry. Sean, how are you doing, sir? Good. How are you? Doing great, man. Doing great. i um, just opened up the show, and I guess we're going to talk about something that's going to happen this weekend. I guess we got a pretty big um, fight card to preview, huh? What you think? Yeah, just just a
1: little little something. I might catch it if I have some time, you know, around cleaning the house or other errands. Might, might, might check a fight or two out. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a couple of good,
0: good, good men and women fighting on this show. Man, there's so much to talk about here that I don't even know where to start. So as I was just saying, you know, I don't want to go into an in-depth preview for every single fight because we're going to be here all day if we did that. So I, um, we're definitely going to talk about our picks. Right, we're going to talk about our our our, our picks for the uh, for the event from top to bottom, um, and I want to talk about this show as a as a moment in MMA history. I think that this is going to have some major ramif- uh, ramifications across the sport, especially within the UFC for a couple of different reasons. So, um, yeah, man, I almost don't even know where to start. Let's start with this, man. On your excitement level. You know, 1 to 10, how excited are you for UFC
1: 205? I'd probably say a 10 if not if not not probably right at a 10. I mean, there's a lot with the amount of with the amount of cards that come out every week, you know, every month, like every week we have a card, sometimes we've had double cards. During UFC 200, we had like what, three cards in a row. So, it, you get so much exposure to it. Sometimes you can lose that excitement, especially when you're in a, in a position such as ours where you're, it's your job to review fights and look past the initial platonic enjoyment of seeing two guys or two girls punch each other in the face and take each other down. When you have to really research and review and watch carefully, it can become a little bit of a, a drag, a little bit more of a, a chore than anything else. But when you, you have a card this strong with so many good fights and so many top-end fighters, you can't help but be excited for it.
0: Yeah, man. um, I'm definitely, definitely, definitely excited for this event. And I kind of wish that we didn't even have UFC Fight Night 98 last week. Um, Just because it would have been that much more time off and that much more anticipation and excitement leading into this this showcase this weekend. But you're right. I think they did it perfectly fine. You know, like when they had UFC 200, they had the three-fight card Thursday, Friday, and Saturday – It was just too much. It it was a lot. It was a lot of great fights, but it was just too much. And by the time we got around to UFC 200, it just didn't live up to the the hype.
1: UFC 205. That was the first show show we did together. And after, like, I mean, that was like breakdown after breakdown after breakdown after breakdown. (laughs) I was so exhausted after that show. Like, mentally, I was like in a fog for a while because you had to cover so many fights on so many cards. And then to actually have to go through and watch all of them, and watch them, like, really watch them carefully. Oh, man, it was rough. It was rough, man. And it really did take the edge off of 200 because the better fights seemed to happen on the earlier cards. The big upset with Alvarez, the, the great fight with Claudia and Joanna, and then you had 200, and 200 was just like, it was supposed to be a crescendo and it ended up just falling flat in my eyes.
0: No, I'm definitely with you um, on that. And I think they did UFC 205. Perfectly, you know, like they this card is booked from top to bottom in a way that is fantastic. It's unfortunate that the Tim Kennedy Rashad Evans fight fight has been dropped, but
1: that unfortunate.
0: In reality, <laughs> it, that's what I was about to say. In reality, it's not that unfortunate because I was expecting to be up working this fight until three a.m. Probably, thankfully, I won't have to. I I will. Might still be up late. They're going to be starting at the same time. But I won't have to sit through as many fights. But yes, UFC 205 I think is a, is a perfect blend of booking and promotion that the UFC has been looking to um, create but wasn't able to find that right mix. UFC 205 has that mix. I think some of that is the fighters involved. Other, other pieces of that is like, you know, with them coming back to New York, Madison Square Garden, and all that hype around being in the, the, the mecca, and I use that in air quotes because the Knicks aren't the mecca of the, – the Knicks don't play in the mecca of sports anymore, but that's a whole other conversation for another day. But this is this is the moment that mixed martial arts has been waiting for, and I think that is going to be a massive event from top to bottom.
1: Well, that, that's what separates this from everything – of course, we've had cards with where they have super cards. We haven't had cards where they've been so many big name, like name fighters, people who've headlined or co-main evented up and down the entirety of the card. That's the thing that stands out. We haven't had, I mean, like Frankie Edgar is a, what on a prelim. Frankie Edgar is like a former a former champion who's headlined multiple cards. Misha Tate's been a co-main on multiple cards, headlined a few cards with a uh, Ronda, I think. And she was a headliner in strike force. and she you know, it's like you have all these people who are established who are former champions, who are longtime contenders, who, who are considered if not right now, if not all time, in their weight divisions, and they're all on this card. But what really gets that puts it over the edge is the fact it's happening in New York. Not because New York is such a, such the center of, of sports anymore or such a media capital. It's just there's been this long there's a storyline, the long drawn out battle to get MMA in New York and the, the UFC finally kicking that door down. So it's like there's also – it's also that uh, sense of relief that's coming because for, for so many years, fighters and fans kind of railed against New York for not letting MMA have a spot in its sporting pantheon. So it, it's a combination of the storyline that's built up over the past 20, 30 years of the Ultimate Fighter – Ultimate, excuse me, Ultimate Fighting Championship being around, MMA being around, and the culmination of having so many high-level people all up and down the entire card, and especially given how many cards they put out every, like I said before, every year they put out so many cards. At the time we get T U TUF rejects, TUF winners, we're finally getting a card where if you're not essentially world class, you can't even make it on this card. There's nobody who could who's con- who's considered under the level of world class who's getting attention on this card. The weakest fight on the card was Kennedy versus Evans due to the fact that both guys had been inactive and neither guy had looked great coming off of losses. So um, it's just the quality of the card and the setup the cards had with the storyline of them not being in New York, which separates it from everything else.
0: No, I definitely um, agree with you there. And and I'm going to argue with you, man. I don't think that Evans and Kennedy fight was the most weak fight on the card. I mean, you still got Jafia on the uh, – Natal and, and Tim Bosch. I think that one doesn't add any value to the division at, at all. And then you have Vincente Lacroix against Bilal Muhammad. Well, they're, um, two, they're, they're, two, prospe- they're two prospects. Yeah, you're right. You're
1: right. Country. You're right. Now I'm saying I, I recognize the names. Evans, Evans moving to middleweight would have been exciting like about three or four years ago because that's when he probably needed to make that move. After he lost to Jones, he should have moved. And coming off of a crushing KO loss and having, 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 having he hasn't really looked good in the past two or three outings he's had. So, I mean, there's not a lot of, you know what I mean? There's not a lot of excitement behind that. The whole big selling point was, well, now he's going down the middleweight. Okay. Well, that's a movie should have made a couple of years ago. And, and he hasn't been a top light heavyweight in, in quite a while. So it, it just didn't get me excited. You know, I mean, and I like Kennedy as a fighter, very skilled, very tenacious, but he's not the kind of guy who draws eyes. And, and, and he really hasn't been active in like what the past year himself. So I mean, it's two two guys who have names, I guess, but two guys who haven't really done much very recently, in in a sport that changes overnight.
0: Yeah, no, um, that, that's definitely some true analysis there. You know, I've, I've as much of a fan of Evans as I've been. Um, he hasn't been doing too much in recent years. So he's been better
1: behind the desk than in the cage, the and that's very time. true.
0: That that's very true. He definitely. I I would hope that he does walk away from the sport. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they reveal about his medical condition that caused this issue. Um, but yeah, you know that's that's neither here nor there. Um, so let's go ahead and, and man, I mean like let's. Huh, how are we gonna do this? Let's talk about. We're gonna we're gonna break down the three title fights. Um, we're gonna talk about Chris Wyman and Yoel Romero, and then we're just gonna do um, we're gonna do some hit or miss stuff with the rest of of this card because it's a pretty big event here. So let's talk about Conor McGregor and Eddie Alvarez first. I just read a um, preview that gave McGregor the victory by first round knockout, and you know what? I am not surprised with that um Alvarez gets hit he gets hit a lot early and you know McGregor does have power so I would not be surprised if this fight goes that route and McGregor um takes the win so early and I um on top of that though before you I'm, I'm, I'm let you go ahead and give us your, your breakdown in a second I saw a lot of individuals talking about how Alvarez um, has the ability to wrestle McGregor and kind of go that route for 25 minutes, but he's never really done that throughout his career. I mean, people like when has he ever really been someone who has changed up his whole game in a way that allowed him to wrestle first and box second? I can't think of any time when he's done that. So if he does decide to box with Conor McGregor, I think he's going to get put out and put out rather quickly.
1: Yeah, I'd probably agree. I, I like Eddie Alvarez. A lot of people, when I've been uh, commenting on the fight recently and just making making my points, because uh, we had discussed this about probably about a month ago, and I discussed it earlier when I when people had brought up the possibility of this fight. Uh, a lot of times, I mean, I tell people, you yeah, know, I'm an Eddie Alvarez fan. I, I watch him fight. I picked him when he beat Chandler the second time. I picked him to beat. A, I picked him to beat. A, to beat uh, Dos Anjos when he fought him. You know, I saw the matchup favoring him just because of Eddie's ability to box, his footwork, and his timing. That That's what happens. That, that's the advantage he has over most guys who fight. Even still now, most MMA fighters, boxing is terrible. They can punch well enough. They can punch competently, but their footwork, being able to get in and out, to get off the center line, to come in at an angle and escape on an angle, to use feints, to pivot, things like that routine i can't count how many mma fighters just cannot deal with that issue when presented with it anytime you see guys backing straight up in the cage and get stuck on the cage they don't know how to pivot they don't know how to clinch and turn a guy using pivots there's so many aspects so many lines of defense that they don't even use and eddie alvarez has the advantage that he always has that as a weapon it's something that he has over probably 90 percent of the guys who fight in mma even in his division it's very competitive The problem I have with him fighting McGregor is McGregor has comparable footwork, if not better. He's got a longer stance, longer reach, and he's got better timing and punch selection. Alvarez is a good puncher, but he's not like a one-shot guy. He's never really just crushed guys with his power. And in my opinion, he's not the sharpest puncher ever. He's not really sharp. He he throws educated punches. He throws hard punches. But McGregor has a certain accuracy and a certain snap in the shots. And he just can throw almost every. He can throw hooks, he can throw overhands, he can throw uppercuts, he can throw step off shots, he can throw check hooks. He just has a wide range of shots that he can throw, and they all get set up by his footwork and his placement and his timing. And that's where I think Eddie's gonna have a problem because Eddie won't have that clear advantage. He won't be able to break the first line of defense like he does with most guys. He's gonna have to, he moves somewhere, Connor's gonna make a movement. He runs in too hard, Connor will pivot. He's not going to be able to just walk into the range he wants. He's not going to be able to get out to the range he wants. And that brings me to my second point: Connor's lamp and the volume he throws. There's a certain there's a certain range of safety you have when striking. Eddie's not going to have that range because Connor likes to pressure and he likes to throw a lot of volume, and he's got a, he's got a good reach. So the range he's usually safe at that range no longer exists. If he gets in on his exit that range that's usually safe for him to exit out on, that's not safe. He's still in Conor McGregor's punching and kicking range. So he's essentially going to be a danger at range, staying out as he comes in and as he exits out. So there's no real safety zone for him in regards to the boxing. Now, a lot of people are going to say he could wrestle McGregor, but I've seen Alvarez wrestle. He's not some dominant wrestler. He doesn't get takedowns at will. He doesn't hold guys down and control them five rounds in a row. Like you said, he's never done that. A lot of his wrestling success has been, the ability of him to mix his boxing with his wrestling, use the feints, use the angles, and use the pivots to set up those takedowns to get them. Or when he's putting hands on guys, beating them up left and right on on the feet, then he can duck under their counter, get to their hips and take them down. But that Eddie Alvarez doesn't exist as much anymore because he can't take the punishment. He can't be in firefight. People keep saying, well, he's gotten smarter. He's had to get smarter. He can't take the punishment he used to take anymore. He got rocked against Cerrone. He got rocked against Melendez. He was getting he was getting beat up for large segments of the fight against Pettis, the fight that he supposedly dominated. Pettis landed a lot of shots on him. He didn't take Pettis down a will. He didn't just control and ride Pettis out for rounds. Pettis defended shots. Pettis got back up. Pettis put him on the fence too, and Pettis punished his body a whole lot up and down through that whole fight. That's why I'm saying that Conor McGregor is going to win. I think it could go as far as three, but I I don't think he goes past three rounds because I think Conor's volume, his footwork, and his punch selection is a little bit too wide for Eddie at this point. If Eddie's, if I, you could guarantee me that Eddie could take whatever Conor is throwing, then I would go with Eddie Alvarez. But the fact of the matter is I don't think his chin's there anymore. And I don't think that trying to muscle a bigger, stronger mobile guy around for, three, for five rounds works in his favor either. I think he's gonna get tired. And once he gets tired, that's when he starts engaging in these firefights. That's when he starts getting hit. And getting hit by Pettis is one thing, but Pettis has no sense of urgency he won't put shots together. He's one at a time. McGregor will put shots together. The closest the comparison would be like to Donald Cerrone and Eddie had a real hard time getting in on Cerrone because Cerrone had counters for where his level changes and Cerrone had su- such a advantage as far as the length and the distance that he was able to pick Eddie off. Once Eddie slowed down, he was just chopping him up, chopping him up in range. So while I respect Eddie Alvarez, I think he's a very good fighter. And if anybody deserves a payday, it's him because he's fought the best of the best his entire career, I just think all that that attrition of abuse and being in fight camps and fighting frequently is going to catch up to him against a guy whose chin hasn't shown to have any chinks and a guy who's learned learned that he's had to fight more discipline and be more technical after the Diaz fight. He's not coming out there just to blow out somebody or put on a show. He's coming out there to win any means possible. Like I've said multiple times, if Alvarez would have fought him before the Diaz fight, I would have win Alvarez. But this new Conor McGregor doesn't have that He doesn't have that attitude, that ego. He's been humbled, and now he's going to make sure that does not happen again. And I I don't see how Alvarez wins this. I guess he could try to wrestle him for, for five rounds. I don't think he can wrestle him for five rounds. He couldn't wrestle Pettis for three. So it comes down to whether he can outbox McGregor. And like I said, if his chin was better, I would go with Alvarez. But every fight he's been in since he's been in the UFC, he's gotten hurt, and he's gotten hurt fairly badly. And if he gets hurt against McGregor, I think McGregor finishes. I say it's inside of three. I don't know if it just if he just gets finished in one, but I don't think it goes longer than three.
0: Yeah, man, I'm totally with you. I don't think that this fight is gonna go quite like the um like the Aldo fight went, but man, I don't think it's gonna go well. I don't I don't I think that... I think that Alvarez is going to find himself in a position where he's going to be hurt and hurt early, and I don't know if he's going to be able to deal with a fully gassed Conor McGregor. Yes, he may struggle after the second round cardio-wise, but the question is whether or not Alvarez is going to be able to get there to that point, and right now, I don't think so, man. I will be surprised if this fight goes past three.
1: Well, it's like, it's like you said. Sometimes fans talk, and you wonder if people really watch these fights because the stuff they say, like, Sometimes when I've broken down fights, I'll say, this is what this fighter needs to do to win the fight. And somebody says, I've never seen them do that. And I'll say, you know what, you're right. I'm not talking about whether they're going to do it or not. I'm telling you what they need to be able to do to win the fight. The things Eddie Alvarez needs to do to win the fights, based on what we know of each fighter, I've never seen him do. He's going to have to wrestle at a high pace against a big, strong, active guy. I don't think I've ever seen Eddie Alvarez, especially not in this phase of his career, maintain his cardio for a whole three rounds. People talk about McGregor getting tired after two rounds. Um, I remember Alvarez looking pretty tired against Cerrone. I remember him looking dog tired against Anthony Pettis. I remember him looking pretty tired against Gilbert Melendez. The only fight he didn't look really tired in was when he fought uh, Rafael Desaños, and that's because he finished him early. Every fight that's gone rounds, he's looked pretty tired in. He looked tired when he lost to Chandler. When he got choked and he tapped out to Chandler, he, he looked tired in the rematch when he fought Chandler. All the fights in Bellator, he looked the best in fights he finished quickly so when people tell me there's this huge cardio advantage that Eddie Alvarez has I haven't seen it I haven't seen it his entire career I've seen him have problems with long distance range shots kicks long long strikes I've seen him have trouble with people with good footwork who can faint move him around using their foot pressure and the feints from their hands and their feet that's all stuff I've seen routinely out of him so all the stuff I'm mentioning is stuff that I've seen him do and seen him react to over the length of his career I see that Conor has some issues. He gets hit a, little, he gets hit a lot because he forces the pace. He throws a lot of volume. He gives up takedowns to a certain degree when he starts putting on the volume. But I've only seen one guy really take advantage of that. And Eddie Alvarez isn't some kind of huge submission guy. He's never been one. Maybe he is, but I don't think Conor McGregor is as bad on the ground as people think. Getting choked out by Nate Diaz isn't an embarrassing fact. A lot of guys who are much better grapplers than Eddie Alvarez have gotten choked out by Nate Diaz. So I can't, I can't hold that against him. Like I said, if Alvarez's chin could hold up and he could maintain a pace and kind of chip away, at, chip away at McGregor, maybe you could outpoint him, mix in the wrestling, control him, work him over. I've just never seen Eddie Alvarez execute that game plan from beginning to finish against anybody who I consider to be a top-end kind of guy. I haven't seen it. I'm not saying it can't I, I just haven't seen it.
0: I totally agree with you on that, and like, that's my thing. Like, I always ask when I look at fights like this and people are adamant about one guy over the other, I ask this question, how do they see their pick winning? And if they give me some elaborate explanation, and I'm like, okay, but the question now is, has his opponent ever lost in that fashion? Usually the answer is no, and this is the same situation here. For Eddie Alvarez to win this fight, he has to get Conor McGregor down early to sap his energy and maintain that pressure over 25 minutes. I've never seen him do that, and I've never seen Conor McGregor lose that way. So, what is the situation that we're facing?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and once again, I know you don't like to, to toot your own horn, but you're a guy who's helped people train for fights, you've competed. I'm not saying this to somebody like, oh, I watch fights casually, and Connor can't grapple. He's terrible on the ground because Nate choked him out. You're, you're experienced enough and you're smart enough to understand. And you understand that Connor getting choked out by Diaz was a combination of factors on top of the fact that Diaz brothers, Diaz brothers are notoriously known as some of the better submission grapplers in MMA. So you understand that. A lot of people just see the result of a fight and say, oh, well, this guy can't defend takedowns. This guy can't get back up. Okay, I might, argue, I might understand that point to a degree, but the guy taking him down isn't known for keeping guys down two, three rounds in a row. He's not known for dominating with ground and pound and finishing people. Who has Eddie Alvarez done that against? Can he do it? Can he surprise us? Sure, but given what he's done against top-end guys in circumstances such as these, especially since he's moved to the UFC, I don't see how anybody has any faith in thinking that Alvarez is going to submit him or Alvarez is going to out-wrestle him I don't know why anybody would go that route of you know, the sword since he's, he's been here, since he's been here. He's shown some, he's shown some craft as far as boxing. He's shown some footwork. He's shown an ability to slowly transition to a more grinded out, physical, physically taxing style. But that same style that taxes other people taxes him. So you're telling me he's going to wear Conor McGregor out. What if he wears himself out doing this? Because if late in the rounds he starts fading, McGregor's always going to have that power. And McGregor's always, always going to be willing to take a chance to finish, to close the show. So what if, what if uh, the same Eddie Alvarez who was tired against Fettis, what if he's tired standing in front of Conor McGregor? We've seen Conor McGregor be dead tired and then come out in the fourth round firing, guns blazing, and then win most of the fifth round against the best-conditioned guy in MMA, which would be Nate Diaz. We've seen him come out and push the pace and get, get back on track. I've never seen Eddie Alvarez dead tired just kick it into another gear for a round or two. I haven't seen it maybe years ago. I haven't seen it in the past two or three. I haven't seen it in the past four. So you're telling me I've got to hope that Eddie Alvarez goes back to the Eddie Alvarez of the early, the late, the early 2000s or something? Uh, I mean, it could happen. I just don't know that it, it does.
0: Yeah, man, that's some, um, that's some great breakdown there, you know. We got a main event on Saturday that's going to kind of answer all these questions. And, yeah, I mean, I didn't pick Alvarez to beat Rafael Dos Anjos either, you know. So I've been wrong before. But this definitely has the makings of what may not be a great night for the Philadelphia native.
1: Yeah, I, like I said, I tell people I could be wrong. But the same people were telling me I'm an idiot and, I, and I'm wrong and I don't know what I'm talking about. They were the people who, vote, who went against Eddie Alvarez. When he was fighting RDA, oh, he's too old, he can't do this. You know, we, that was our first show. I, I went out on the limb. I said he's going war. I broke it down on the show. I broke it down on Twitter before and after the show. So people were telling me, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all didn't think he beat RDA because y'all had no concept of his game. I understand that he had versus game. I'm not saying he can't win it. I, I know there's paths for him to win it. I just don't know that he can do it for five rounds. That's my question. It's the same question he had against RDA, too. It's just at this phase, I think Conor McGregor's on his way up and he's learned a lot and he's, more, he's much more dangerous at this point. And that, that's going to be the difference, I think.
0: I definitely agree with you there. So let's move on to the next fight where we have Tyron Wooley facing off against um, Steven Wonderboy Thompson. And everyone's picking Thompson. And I get it. You know, I think that his uh, path to victory includes uh using a similar strategy to what Rory McDonald did to Tyron Woodley a few years back keeping him off the jab keeping him off range and like um catching him i think he get i think he does have the opportunity to put woodley out uh, but i'm not going to lie i'm pulling for woodley on personal um oh choice here which is allowed every now and then you know I'm throwing caution to the wind and I'm hoping Woodley pulls out a victory because I think he can be the next I think he can be the individual who brings MMA to the minority community that's just my opinion on him but um for that to happen he needs to win on Saturday and he needs to keep that title and I just am not certain He can do that against the range and striking ability of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson.
1: First of all, I I like Woodley. Woodley's actually been a prime example of how a pro athlete should be. No sort of drama, no sort of, um, you know, controversy. He doesn't really trash talk. I mean, he'll say he's going to win and he thinks he's better than somebody, but he doesn't really attack anybody's character. He's kind of been in class. He's a family man. He talks about his wife and his kids. And he's a guy who's made the most of his time in the sun because he's as we've talked about before, he's been, he's had extra work in movies. He actually had a couple lines and straight out of Compton and he's tried to expand his brand and establish a solid base for his family. And you can't hate on somebody like that. And he's the kind of guy, cause not everybody can be a rampage. Not everybody can be a King Mo. Some people are going to have to just play it straight. And he's a good example of how to play it straight and play the game Smart. Not giving up title shots just because you need money. He saved his money so he could wait it out for his opportunity when Lawler came. A lot of guys, have. how many guys have lost their title fights because they need money and they took a fight and they lost it? That's happened so many times just this year. So Woodley's, he's a good example for all MMA fighters, but especially for aspiring young minority fighters, and I guess if we're going to be specific, African-American fighters. So in that instance, I'd like to see him do well. i like to see him win. I think So far, he's he's already done a lot for African-American fighters in MMA as it stands right now. But as far as the fight goes, I think he's dangerous because Whitley's a very smart guy. He understands the physical advantage he has, and he's very smart in in using him to create opportunities to counter, to set up big strikes because he's very explosive. He closes distance incredibly well. His timing is excellent, and he's a very sharp puncher early on. When he's initiating and he's got his plan going – He's a very sharp puncher. I mean, he's powerful, but what highlights his power is the fact he's so accurate and so sharp with the shots he throws. The whole question I have is that as good as Woodley is on his entries, and I had this discussion with friend of the show, Andrew Pearson, very talented uh, writer. Uh, Talked to him on Twitter all the time. Big fan of the show. I'm a big fan of his. We had this discussion that Woodley's not very good on the exit. When Woodley misses, and he has to exit out whether on an angle or even just moving straight out or pivoting, he's not always super sharp with his defense. He's not always defensively responsible. Now, the thing is, as a person who watches other sports, you understand this. Athletes, like uh, we use quarterbacks as an example, when you have athletic ability, instead of going through your progressions and reads, you'll just run it. Instead of making the short underneath throw, you'll just try to gun it in a tight hole because you have faith in your arm and your athletic ability. Woodley, in my opinion, gets a little sloppy on those exits because he's usually so fast and so dynamic that guys can't counter him. Guys aren't very comfortable, even at the high level MMA. The countering ability in MMA, as far as a guy throwing a shot and you coming over it or throwing a shot right back, they're not very good at it. It's very few guys who are effective, who are effective counter punchers, counter strikers in MMA. So he gets away with that a lot because guys don't have the timing. They don't have the, and even if they have the timing, they don't have the speed or the power to make him pay. The problem with it is Wonderboy is an excellent counter-striker. His form, a lot of forms of karate, the whole instance is you being able to read what your opponent's gonna do, either block it, avoid it altogether, and then counter immediately with a strike. Now that's in boxing, that's a lot of sports, but in other sports, because of the competitive nature of it, they'll teach you to tough it out, you know, take a shot to give a shot, walk through fire to land a shot, and a lot of these traditional martial arts, they don't want you to do that. You're supposed to have it figured out for where to go and have an immediate counter for that. You're supposed to take a minimum amount of damage. There's not a big, you stand in and trade, and you absorb this and, and fire back. You're supposed to counter it, parry it, whatever you can do to put him in position for whatever counter shot you're going to throw. And Stephen Thompson is excellent on that. He's knocked out multiple guys on the counter in kickboxing and in MMA. So when Woodley comes in, he might – I don't think he's going to land. He, his, early, his best chance to land is early when he, he's at his full speed, full explosiveness. He's got a plan on how he's going to attack Wonderboy. That's the best time for him to come out. But if he's not landing early, he's going to get lined up for those counters because as Woodley's gas goes and his bursts become more infrequent, I don't mind his offense dropping off. But the thing is, his offense drops off and his defense drops off even further. So not only is he only going from throwing a bunch of punches early – He's going to throw one or two at a time, and that's fine. If you're going to move your feet, move your body, move your head, reposition, that's fine. You can get away with that. You can pot shot and move and parry and block and spin out and pivot. You can do all that stuff, but he doesn't do that. He'll start backing up in a straight line. He'll start sitting in front of his opponent, and that's when he starts getting chopped up. He starts getting pushed back. He starts getting taken down. He starts getting jabbed up, and it happened. it's happened in multiple fights where he's had to go rounds. It happened when he fought Nate Marquardt. It happened when he fought Rory McDonald. He just got he, – he wasn't able to associate – he wasn't able to dominate early. The fight got past a certain point, and the other guy slowly started taking control of the fight at range, started taking away space, started pushing him back, trapped him on the fence, and started chopping him up. And I see similar things happening to him versus Wonderboy. The question is, is Wonderboy able to navigate his athleticism and his power early in the fight? Because if he hits Wonderboy clean – I don't think Wonderboy's chin is good enough to stand up from one or two shots, really clean shots from Woodley. And uh, I think it's similar to the fight with Lawler. He's got to win early because the longer the fight goes, it's it's similar to what they say in any sport. A quick series, you can get by on hustle and athleticism and desire. When you have a longer series, the longer the fight goes, the longer the game goes, that's when class starts to come out. And Wonderboy, in my opinion, is the superior class of striker his distance management, his counters, his leads, his footwork, his positioning, it's all on a much higher level and a much more nuanced level than anything Woodley's seen or anything I've seen from Tyrone Woodley. And that's my being that's my concern for Woodley. He doesn't have enough – he doesn't have a wide enough range of strikes and he doesn't have enough defensive responsibility in his repertoires that he's shown that tells me that he's going to be able to defend all these various sidekicks, knee kicks – Question mark kicks, spinning kicks, hook kicks, snap kicks. On top of the initial karate punches, and now that Wonderboy's got his boxing much better, the jabs, the hooks, the crosses, the feints, the pull counters, he hasn't shown that level of defense. So once he's no longer able to dominate offensively and jump in and jump out of position and land those big shots or throw those big shots, what happens? Usually what happens is he becomes a sitting target, and he starts getting kept at range, and he starts getting chopped up. And he can't beat Wonder Boy range when he's fresh. I know he can't beat him when he's dead tired. And I don't see how he, outside of just getting a quick KO, I don't see how he extends Wonderboy, Wonder Boy, beats Wonder Boy over five rounds. I don't see how he does it. People, once again, keep telling me about his wrestling. But Tyron Woodley hasn't wrestled anybody in years. Who is the last person he's really tried to wrestle, like really right, out-wrestled him? Took him down left and right, out-positioned him, rode him out where's that Tyrone Willie? I haven't, seen him in a long, I haven't seen him in a long time. I don't even know if that Tyrone Willie exists. And as I said before, I think it's because he knows how much energy is wasted when he explodes into those takedowns that wears on you even more. Or if you explode and the guy pivots out, that's a waste of energy. If you go up against the fence and you don't get that takedown, you just blew a whole tank of energy. And now you're tired from making that takedown attempt, and now you've got a fresh... Razor-sharp, accurate, fast, dynamic, athletic striker in front of you, coming for you, and you're dead tired because you've been fighting for takedowns that you have not gotten, or you've taken him down, and he's gotten right back up. I honestly would like to see Woodley win. I don't, I don't think he does. I could see Thompson winning a decision because I don't think Woodley's dangerous to pass a round and a half, like consistently dangerous, and I could see Woodley getting stopped inside a three. It just depends on, it depends on how hard Woodley's going to go for that knockout. And it depends on how tough Woodley could be when he eventually gasses and, and Wonderboy starts turning it up on him. I'm not saying that Woodley hasn't improved, but we haven't seen it. We haven't seen an improved gas tank. He knocked out Robbie Lawler with the quickness. So we don't know if his gas tank's improved. And we know that when Willie's in control, his gas tank is fine. But who, who, who can't maintain a pace when they're in complete control? Anybody can do that. But he's not going to be in complete control against Wonderboy. Wonderboy's got better distance management, the better footwork, the better striking arsenal. And Wonderboy's been working out with Weidman and other wrestlers for a long time. It's not going to be easy to take him down, and it's not going to be easy to keep him down. And with his striking and his footwork, it won't even be easy to get in position to take him down if that's what you're trying to do. I think Willie's going to try and time him and counter him, try to scare him with his power, trap him on the fence, and land a big shot. Um, I just don't think it's going to happen that way. If it doesn't happen early, I don't think it's going to happen. And I, I, I predict Wonderboy to be the new welterweight champion. And it uh, might be a very long rainy one if he can not fight Damian Maya. But I fully expect Wonder Boy to win and I've been saying this for the entire time we've had the show. I've pretty much predicted Wonder Wonderboy would, would uh defeat Woodley if and when they fight. Like I said, I know how Woodley can win the fight. I just haven't seen him win that kind of, I haven't seen him do those things. I, I've never seen him do those things, except for the quick knockout. I've seen that. But if he doesn't get the quick knockout, I don't I don't see him doing that. And against a guy this defensively sound with this mastery of distance and this kind of feints and level of striking offense and counters, I, I don't see how he gets it done. Maybe he does, and I'll be happy for him. Uh, but I don't. I don't think he does. I'm pretty sure he's not going to.
0: Yeah, man. I'm. I'm. Um, I have the same kind of outlook when it comes to this fight here. You know, I, I don't see a clear path to victory for. Um, tyron willie in fact i see him losing this fight in a way that he's lost the fight recently in a way that stephen thompson excels in so again it goes back to that same conversation point that i just brought up um excuse me yeah it'll be a struggle
1: for him Um, i'm not gonna i don't know him but a friend of the show patrick wyman spoke with them and people i know know of him they've trained at a school before he's from south carolina i have family in there He's a good dude. From all accounts, he's a good, nice guy, respectable guy, and just wants his opportunity to fight for the belt. So even though it wouldn't everybody for him to win, he, it's not like it'd be a terrible guy who's winning it or a guy who doesn't appreciate the martial arts or doesn't have some kind of class or dignity in how he carries himself. It's not like we're going from Woodley to some, I don't know, just terrible person and terrible face for the sport. Wonder Boy of the sport, and I can't say I have any personal grudge against him winning. I know you didn't say that you do, but, and I know you don't, but you know, just saying, it's not like it's going from a guy who knows how to carry the sport and is, is, is proven to a guy who's unproven and is a farce or a sham. Wonderboy is none of those things. He's an excellent fighter, and from what I've been told, an excellent guy.
0: Yeah, I've, I've heard the same thing in reference to um, Tyron Woodley. So we're both picking Wonderboy for that fight. Let's talk about the next one where we got Joanna Jerzejczyk and Carolina Kowalkiewicz. Um I'm going to pick Joanna just because she has the ability to fight for 25 minutes. And what's so scary about her is that in a 25-minute fight, she starts very slow. Um Or, if in in any fight, I looked back at some of her striking numbers earlier this week and she gets off to a slow start, which is one thing, but that second round on is like a legit avalanche and she just overwhelms women from rounds two to five and it's out and it's almost scary. Carolina is similar in that fashion, where but she starts a little bit faster early in her fight. and kind of picks up pace, but it's not to that same level that wanna kind of overwhelms her uh, op- 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 opponents with. And that's why I'm picking Joanna to win this fight. Even if it goes 25 minutes, I find it impossible, or, or I find it improbable for Carol- Carolina to be able to win the first three rounds and then do enough to get, like, a 10-9 and lose the last two. I just find that hard to believe right now with the way um, Joanna is fighting and the pace that she pushes. Like, Carolina doesn't have, like, a huge advantage. She doesn't have, like, a reach advantage. She doesn't have an experience advantage. She doesn't have any of that to really kind of leverage in this fight, and I just think she's going to be outclassed.
1: Well, a lot of of the reason Carolina doesn't have the volume or the activity Joanna has is because Carolina's really not, as you stated earlier, isn't as technical at all the different ranges. Joanna can fight you on the inside. She can throw knees and elbows. She can fight you at boxing range. She can short fight you at mid-range with short kicks and long punches. And she can fight you at long range with, with the long punches and the long kicks. Carolina's really, even though she fights on the outside, to me Carolina's a lot like an, a Frankie Egger. She likes to circle the perimeter, and then she likes to come crashing in with a whole volume of, of shots. And then if she can get her hands on you, then she ties you up, starts chopping away with you with the, knee, with the knees, the short punches, the elbows, starts mauling you and trying to wear you down. That's essentially what she did to Rose Namajunas. Early on when, when Rose, when she couldn't time Rose correctly and Rose had her stuck on the outside on, by, with that jab and the long legs, Carolina was just – she was essentially a punching bag with arms. She was getting controlled. She was getting her offensive footwork disrupted by the jab. She was getting her timing disrupted. She was th- She was throwing punches, but she was short on them. She was overextending and getting out of position, all because Nama Yunus was moving her feet, sticking her with the jab. Once Nama Yunus attempted a couple takedowns and allowed Carolina to get her hands on her and did the work for her, Carolina started leaning on her tying her up, getting in double collar ties, clinching with her, and started chopping her up and physically manhandling her. Because Nam Eunice is a dynamic athlete. She, In my opinion, she's not particularly strong or has a lot of horsepower when it comes to strength and moving another opponent around. She's got excellent body control and movement on the ground and movement on her feet that allows her to make up for that gap in strength. But physically, she's not very strong. And so then she got manhandled. And she's not, she's not an infighter. She's not used to that kind of punishment. She's not used to that kind of pace and it and it broke her down. Joanna's capable of matching that pace. She's at least capable of being Carolina's equal on the inside. Carolina's not Joanna's equal in mid-range. She's not she's no, nowhere near Joanna's equal on the outside. So the only place she's gonna be truly effective is on the inside. You know, she, she she'll probably score some punches here and there early on from the from the mid-range. But she hasn't, she hasn't shown knockout power. After all the shots she landed on Nama Unis, all the shots she lo- landed on Heather Joe Clark, if she was really a power puncher, she would have killed them. But she didn't kill them. She beat them up. She walked them down. She broke them down in one, one decision. But she wasn't putting anybody away the way a true power puncher puts anybody away. And that's going to be the difference. She's going to land shots on Joanna, but they're not going to be the kind of shots that are going to rock her or put her on her heels. And even if you put Joanna on her heels – Joanna's the kind of person who's going to fight back. She's not going to take a hard shot and then get defensive or then try to avoid something because she's got enough depth of skill in striking. She doesn't have to avoid any range. Any range Carolina wants to take the fight, Joanna can meet her there. That's why I would go with Joanna. She's a superior athlete. She's a better technician, and she's the more proven commodity over five rounds. I've never seen Carolina go five rounds. I know she keeps a high pace three rounds i know she can keep a high pace against people she can physically bully and move around what is she going to do against somebody who she can't bully what is she going to do against somebody who can match her in that range what is she going to do against somebody who can inflict as much punishment on her in her strongest range that she can that she can inflict on somebody though the one one thing i would say carolina should try to do is follow a little bit of what get, claudia did because claudia her issue was she she gassed she can't maintain any sort of pace for more than a round and a half, unless she's in complete, complete control. I would try to take some of that game plan, try to land early on Joanna. And actually, when you get that tie up, instead of just going for knees and short punches, use the knees and short punches to open her up and get get Joanna into the position where she might try to counter or she's trying to push you back to get her to overextend, give up her hips, and then try to work a takedown, work a takedown and work some ground and pound. Because even though the shots aren't super heavy, if you're going to throw a high volume of shots, when you have somebody down, you might be able to force a stoppage. Because the refs just see them taking a lot, you might be able to cut them. You can lean on them, you can wear on them, you can just control them for a round and really just put shots on them. The question is, I don't know if Carolina's that willing to do that, and I don't know that she's a good enough grappler that she can control Joanna for a whole round and do it round, do it for at least two out of the first three rounds just to put Joanna in a hole. I don't know either one of those things, but it's something I would try on her because Joanna knows she's going to try to get inside. The question is what is she going to do when she's going to get inside? She's expecting her to trip to knee, elbow, and punch. I think it might catch her off guard if you punch your way into the clinch and instead of immediately going for the punches in the knees – you try a trip. You try to throw. You try to inside, outside leg trip. Anything you can do, because even if you don't get the takedown, she has to fight to defend it, and when she fights to defend it, that gives you an opportunity to start scoring with strikes again. When she starts getting rebalanced and resettled and starts trying to counter, then you can then you can go for the takedown again. It's like a way, It's a, it's a line of defense, and it's a line of offense. I just don't know if Carolina's mentally, strategically thinking that she can do that and that her team's worked on it, and I don't know that she's mentally and emotionally willing to concede that maybe she has some fear of Joanna in the clinch by doing that because the only reason you do that is because you fear you fear, or you respect what that person can do to you in that position. So I don't know that she's willing to do that. I would recommend that she do that just to break up the pace and try to disrupt Joanna's volume and try to disrupt Joanna's rhythm because she's another person who's excellent in transitioning from clinch to mid-range to long-range, from long-range to mid-range to clinch. So she's very good at doing that too. Good way to disrupt that, throwing a takedown. Throw in uh, some control. Don't even try to beat her up. Try to control her. Try to get her looking for something else, and then go back to what you want to do. But as I said before, I don't know that Carolina's thinking that far ahead. I don't know that their team's thinking that far ahead. Um, I just think Joanna's a better athlete. She's got killer instinct. She's the the harder striker. She's the more technical striker. She's the most seasoned striker, and she's a more technical seasoned MMA fighter. My only concern is that she did switch camp before this fight, but um, she doesn't seemed to me to be the kind of person who would get away from the things that made her a success. And if she just does the things she almost always does in fights, she should win this fight and win it handily, in my opinion. Did she switch camps or did she just relocate? Oh, no. Uh, I, I, I know people at the camp she's at. So she's at, she's at ATT now. She, she felt her team was not able to prepare her for certain things. I personally think, and this is just my personal opinion, after the re- last year of Ultimate Fighter for the Women, they had some very good rest. They had one girl who won it. She, was, she fights in that weight class, and she, she's, a, she's a world-class female wrestler. I personally think Joanna is thinking that she needs to round out her wrestling game a little bit more and her defensive, her defensive wrestling and her defensive encounter grappling because there's a good chance that the girls she's fighting moving forward are going to have the skills and athletic ability to put her on her back and hold her down there. And she's going to have to learn how to work instead of exploding out or just waiting for someone to gas she's going to have to learn how to work her way up from a technical standpoint or how to attack them so that she can force an escape to get back to her feet. She can't depend on somebody to get tired like uh, Claudia did or someone to be so physically weak and hittable like uh, Jessica Panay. Uh, She's going to have to really up her game. So she's prepared for that. And I think that's the reason she went over to ATT. I think she felt she wasn't getting a good enough or broad enough look as far as the wrestling and the submission grappling goes.
0: Okay. Good. 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 Um, some uh, good breakdown there. So let's uh, continue the conversation and let's look at the rest of the card and let's just go down and make some picks. Um, we have a lot to break down here and I don't want to uh, dive so deeply into every fight. So we have Chris Wyman and Joel Romero. Who do you got here?
1: Oh uh, man. I, I, I'm going to use the rule that we always use I can't go with a person who hasn't been active. I mean, neither one has been active. That's, that's the biggest thing about it. And Whiteman's coming off an injury. Um, I'll just get crazy and I'll say Romero. I think Whiteman has a problem with athleticism. He's really only beaten up physically inferior guys or guys who were, athlete, who were down athletes, and they've been on the decline. The first guy he fought with athleticism was Belfort, the little bit he had. And Belfort put him in trouble. And then he fought Rockholes, And I know he was injured or whatever, but the fact of the matter is he fought a guy who was comparable size, better athleticism, and he didn't just lose. He got beat the F up. So I'm thinking Romero can land something big, and I think Romero's explosiveness and his mobility and his footwork and his punching power are really big problems for Weidman. I'm not saying I, – I should, I should go with Weidman. He's the better fighter and the more proven fighter, but he just has so many issues with athletic guys. And in a three-round fight, it doesn't take very much for you to win. You just gotta, You just got to be competitive for those first two rounds and hang on for the last. So I'm going to go with Romero and see say he pulls it out.
0: All right, no problem. That's a good breakdown there. Um, I'm going to go with Romero as well because, you know, I am skeptical of Weidman coming off of a neck injury of all things, not just a regular injury, but an injury to his neck, which I, I'm not, you know, I mean, that's, that's just scary to me. So um, let's see what happens when uh, – that fight gets into the octagon. Let's go to Kelvin Gastelum and Donald Cerrone. I'm going to go with Donald Cerrone just because I think that he's going to be able to wear Gastelum down and wear him down early and not just overwhelm him with volume. I see him I see that he has more ways to win this fight than um, Gastelum does. What about you?
1: Uh, Gastelum should be in my opinion should be so far the toughest match he's faced. Uh, Cerrone's beat up on a lot of guys who had glaring holes or who were guys who were glaring, glaring holes technically strategically or guys like Cody, Cote, who were just slow, slow, tough guys. I mean, that's easy to beat up on. Um, I don't think he as good as advertised, but um, I think Cerrone going to outwork him. He's most likely going to stop him. I don't know if he'll be by submission or straight up KO, but Gasolom should be able to t- push him because Gasolom is a young guy in his physical prime with some athleticism and he's, he can grapple, he can wrestle, he can strike, and he has some power. So he has, he's going to have opportunities to put Cerrone away, but Cerrone's actually developed his footwork, and his punching combination has gotten – and his striking overall combination has gotten so much cleaner since he's worked with Brandon Gibson. Um, I think that's going to be enough. I think his punching combinations and his ability now to uh, transition between striking ranges is, is going to be the difference. Um, Gaspline's wrestling concerns me, but – um, Gaslam seems to come up short when he faces his name guys. Um, in the biggest spots, he hasn't come up really big since he beat uh, Hall for the, t- the, for the tough title. And so I think it's going to be a matter of class and superior striking throughout the ranges, which is going to carry throwing to a win.
0: Okay, no problem. No problem there. Let's look at the next fight. This card is ridiculous. Let's look at the next fight. We have Misha Tate and Raquel Pennington. You're going to go
1: first. Uh, I'm going to have to say, Tate, I I think I, I love Raquel Pennington. I've been a big fan of hers. She's one of the best in-game adjusters in MMA, especially in women's MMA. The problem I see is unless Misha Tate is totally wrecked mentally and physically, Misha Tate doesn't lose to third-tier athletes with good fighting skills. Almost everybody she's lost to has had some kind of athletic, dynamic component to their game. Caitlin Young, dynamic striker, Ronda Rousey has dynamic striking power, dynamic grappling ability. Uh, Amanda Nunes, dynamic striker, big, strong, physically superior, dynamic type person. Uh, Rocco Pennington's like an average athlete. She's actually slower than Misha, and she's not as good a grappler or as good a wrestler. I think Misha Tate's going to be able to – if she fights smart, she fights smart and does the things I mentioned on Twitter, which, side note, anybody who actually does what I say in fights on Twitter never loses – No to all you fighters. If I'm saying it, you should probably try it. But um, I think Misha Tate actually outclasses her, and if she doesn't grind her out to a decision, she probably will finish her on the ground. It's just a matter of Misha's – if Misha fights smart and she's on her game and her chin hasn't been totally wrecked because she's going to have to take some shots, um, she's going to outclass Pennington. Pennington's a little bit stronger, probably a little bit bigger, but she's not a dynamic enough athlete, and she's not dynamic enough in any one individual area. Where she's gonna be able to clearly outclass Misha Tate. If you give Misha Tate enough time, she'll figure anybody out. And she's figured out a higher level of opponent than Raquel Pennington. And Raquel Pennington's never figured out a girl of her level. Every top every girl of her level has beaten Raquel Pennington. Kat Singano, Holly Holm, and Misha Tate, in my opinion, will be the next.
0: Yeah, I'm leading Tate as well too. In that fight um you basically outlined it there she doesn't lose against you know lesser than elite um talent and elite fighters or athletes.
1: less than elite fighters or athletes ronda rousey was an elite fighter when she fought her but she was an elite athlete and elite judoka caitlin young wasn't necessarily technically elite but she was an elite striker for mma terms amanda nunes isn't Technically elite, but as far as MMA striking, she's elite. As far as MMA athleticism, she is elite. And that's the people who finish, who beat Misha, people who can physically harm her or finish her early, or people who, who can just dominate her. And Raquel Pennington makes great adjustments. She figures people out, but she doesn't have that athleticism. Otherwise, she would have finished Elizabeth Smith, and she would have finished Bech Kalea. But her lack of athleticism made those fights into what they were. Um, Misha Tate doesn't lose to these kind of people or she she used to not to. So if she does, that might be a sign that she needs to be thinking of another career herself.
0: So, yeah. Hm. I apologize. No, 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 no. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. I, I just lost. Like, this dude come on my show, cut me
1: off on my own show. Boy. No, uh, no, I'm
0: sorry. I came across a, a Donald Trump um, comment on my Twitter page. So, no. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to touch that one. But, um what were we talking about? Were we were talking about Misa Tate, right? Tate versus uh, yeah. Yeah, the pen. yeah, so yeah. I'm actually still kind of surprised that Tate isn't the women's champion right now. You know, I'm still kind of upset that she lost that bout um, to Amanda You're upset.
1: My My yeah. like 11 win streak was ruined because this girl did not she had I, I couldn't believe it. I was like you ruined my streak? What do what you, I don't even care about you. You ruined my streak, man. This this is what got me on the big stage.
0: Don't be playing with me. Yeah, man. She basically got um, her face smashed apart, which just wasn't like yeah, that you know, was a- the the smartest thing I've ever that seen was- in, in my life. But um, yeah. So I'm gonna lean take two as well in that fight. Next up, we got Frankie Edgar and Jeremy Stevens. Um, I'm looking at this to be you know Jer- Edgar in three round fights. He- Usually, you know, he he puts puts the hurt on guys early, um, or not early. Excuse me. He just wears them down. Stevens is going to be looking for a massive knockout to make a claim for um, the featherweight division. I don't, I don't see that happening, and I'm going or um, by unanimous decision.
1: Yeah, I'd have to go with you. It's not that Stevens is a bad fighter; he hits very hard, but a lot of what gets him his power isn't because he's just such a natural power guy it's because he commits so hard to every shot he throws when he lands he's going to crush you cuz he's already a hard hitter naturally the thing about it is when you commit that hard when you miss a it burns a lot of energy and b when you miss you miss badly and you're open for all sorts of counters and edgar edgar is not the hardest guy to hit but he's very mobile his footwork's usually pretty good his setups and entries are pretty good saw what Max Holloway did with some basic movement and a a busy jab and some feints and takedowns. And you can't tell me that Frankie Edgar couldn't follow a similar game plan. He's not as long, obviously. He doesn't have the striking variety of a Max Holloway. But Max Holloway played it really safe in that fight. And Jeremy Stevens was still gassing. He was still huffing and puffing, getting taken down left and right by a guy who's not known for his wrestling and getting controlled and outworked. And I don't see how Frankie Edgar does not do the same to him unless Frankie Egger's lost a step. I mean, Stevens is always a threat to knock somebody out, but he's so predictable and he's so telegraphed with his offense. It's really hard for me to imagine Frankie Edgar getting beat by this guy. And once again, if he does, that just tells me Frankie Edgar is no longer among the elite. It doesn't tell me that Jeremy Stevens is elite. I'd have to see him beat someone better, see him. I'd have to see him beat somebody like a Max Holloway for me to believe that. It would just tell me that Frankie's losing a step and he's, he's, he's taking steps backwards.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know um, if he's really, you know, if he's taken that far of a step backwards at all. So um, that's... Uh,
1: Stevens, I'm going to have to consider it. If he loses to Stevens, I'll have to be like Aldo. One thing, he loses to McGregor, Holloway. That's another thing. But Stevens is pretty meat and potatoes in how he fights. He, he hasn't really added a whole lot. He's a little bit more controlled, a little bit more deliberate, sets it up a little bit better. But he essentially throws the same stuff he's been throwing for the past five or six years. He, he hasn't improved that much. So if Edgar's going to be by a guy like Stevens who can't who 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 can't be the elite makes you wonder is Edgar still elite? You have to ask that question. The results will tell you, you have to ask that question.
0: Yeah, that's definitely um that's definitely that makes that may something that may come up. Uh after um Saturday's event, but I don't see him losing that fight, you know, I just I just yeah, Stevens hasn't changed enough. Um in his in his career to really be to really make me think that he's going to be able to put um put Edgar out on Saturday so let's look at the next fight which is Khabib Nurmagomedov against Michael Johnson for some reason i see this fight is going to look a lot similar to when Nurmagomedov fought um the fuck is that guy's name? Abel Trujillo, and was just basically throwing him around for fifteen minutes. Um, I think that this fight is going to look a lot similar to that, and I'm taking the Marco Made off by unanimous uh, decision.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, it's weird. We're just going to be agreeing on a lot of this because I think I think the way Khabib fights, even if he doesn't control guys, you have you've seen him in fights where he's had to take a guy down five times in a round, six, seven times in a round. And he doesn't. He doesn't get tired. It's not hard for him. And Johnson's biggest problem isn't guys who can strike and are big hitters. His problem is facing guys who can challenge him in transitions between striking and grappling and guys who have excellent wrestling pedigrees. Most of the guys he's lost to have been superior grapplers or superior wrestlers. And against facing Khabib, he's facing another guy who's once again a superior wrestler with comparable, if not superior, athleticism and a guy who's shown, in my opinion, better cardio. I mean, Johnson's fought the better competition, but Johnson hasn't necessarily beat the better competition in in the times he's fought them. So I, I'm thinking Khabib's going to win it just based off of um, his aggression and his ability to basically transition from takedown to takedown, whether it's you getting back up and taking you down, him missing a punch and getting to your body and taking you down, or you missing a punch and him stepping in and getting a takedown. He's got a variety of takedowns to score. And I think if he when they get into those exchanges – uh, Johnson's just going to fade. I don't think Johnson can maintain the pace, especially the way he likes to throw really heavy, really heavy leather. That takes that that pace that that has you paying a price if and when you're not consistently landing and in complete control. So I'm thinking Khabib's going to win. I think he he has a chance to stop him, but most likely he's going to win by decision.
0: Yeah, I, I got him winning by um, decision as well. Do you think he gets a title shot after this?
1: I can't imagine him doing it. I mean, no offense. Michael Johnson would probably be the very best person he's beat. And that would only be a two fight win streak. And he doesn't have a fan base. I mean, this isn't Russia I mean, maybe he's really popular there, but he's not really popular in America. He's not bringing Conor McGregor any extra money. He's not bringing Conor McGregor any extra fame. So I can't imagine Conor saying, okay, I want to I mean, I guess it could happen, but I don't think, I don't think it does. I think he'd have to win at least one. I think he'd have to be Tony Ferguson to even be in the discussion. To be quite honest.
0: Hmm. I can agree with you on that there too. I don't think he um he gets the title shot off of this win on Saturday. So let's look at the next fight we have. Um Hafiel Natal and Tim Bosch. This is my I don't give a fuck fight. Um I'm going to pick N- Natal just because I think he's going to be able to wear Bosch down and submit him but bosch just def- definitely does have that power that can knock guys out so um what i i going to pick uh natal in, in his fight there here though
1: natal should win he's he's probably the, he's the better athlete he's he's the better grappler he's the better striker and he's actually done better against a better competition i don't really outside of bosch bosch landing a big power shot i don't i don't really know that. I don't really know that this fight should be competitive. Bosch recently has just, he's just been so hit or miss, and there's just so many holes to exploit in his game. He's hes a good wrestler, but he doesn't always use that right off the bat. He's a heavy striker, but he's not very defensively responsible, or and he's not very, he doesn't have much variety or dyna, dynamic ability in his striking either. I mean, this is, and as far as his IQ and game plans, I can't give that a whole lot of credence because he's the guy who walked straight towards Dan Henderson when everybody knows that's the easiest way to get knocked out. Like, who gets knocked out coming straight at Dan Henderson? Who even does that? Nobody does that. Uh, it, it just blew my mind. So, I mean, whoever loses this fight is going to be out of the UFC. I know that much. And I'm not the biggest Natal fan at all, but he there, he just shouldn't lose this fight. I I don't think he should lose this fight based on the skills alone. He could, and, and that's that's why him and Bosch are in the position they're in. I'd probably like to see Bosch win. He, uh, he's just kind of an interesting character and everything, but I have a hard time betting on him because he hasn't shown the best fight IQ, and he has just certain holes that concern me in every fight he goes into. I don't think there's any fight I've seen him in the past couple years where I just favor him tremendously against anybody.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that. See there. Like, I'm not the biggest Tim Bosch fan either. And I just find it hard to see how he's going to win this fight at this point in his career. Um, next up we have Bilal Mohammed and Vincite Lacroix. I don't know too much about these guys, so you go ahead and um let me know what you think.
1: I'm just I'm really just I like watching I like watching them both fight. I probably just go with Mohammed. I just think he's I don't know, something about the way he fights just make this makes me a believer. I, I think he has the athleticism. I think he has the drive. I think I think he's just gonna overwhelm I think he's gonna overwhelm uh his opponent. I, I really I wish I had more of a, a more technical aspect. I just I just have a feeling about this guy. I think he I think he's he's gonna be making a long stay in the UFC and I think he, he has the potential to move up the ranks fairly quickly. I, I don't really I don't I don't know if I see his fight going past two, but I definitely see him winning the fight.
0: Yeah, I can I can agree with you there. Um Jim and Thiago Alves. I'm looking. To, I'm looking forward to seeing Alves's return. Um, but how do you think that this fight's going to go over for him?
1: Uh, I'm not a big fan of this weight cut he's making. I, I hope he's done it. I hope he's done it the right way. I hope he's really prepared himself for this. But I am not a big fan of him dropping down to this weight. He had a hard time with cardio and cuts at 170, and now he's going down another weight class. It just seems like a recipe for disaster, especially against a guy like Jim Miller, who's a grinder. He's not the most physically dynamic guy, but he's very he's very heady. He's very seasoned. He's got, he's got good skills in all the areas, and he's the kind of guy who ate hey, or you're not willing to pay a certain price as far as punishment or risk of harm. You're not going to beat him. I mean, most elite guys beat Jim Miller. I don't know that Alvis is elite. I mean, anymore welterweight. I don't know that he's elite at 55 at all. I'm not even sure how his body responds to it. I mean, it all kind of depends on how his body responds. If his body responds well to it, he'll beat Miller. Alves has good takedown offense. He has good leg kicks. He's good in the clinch. He's physically powerful. He can manhandle <laughs> superior wrestlers and grapplers, and he hits so hard. So if he's the same Alves he's always been, then yeah, he's gonna he's gonna run through Miller. But I don't. I don't know that he's going to be that Alvis because I've never seen him at that weight. I mean, I, don't, I never thought he looked particularly healthy when he was cutting down to 170. Now he's dropping down even further. I mean, if, he, if the weight cut's not good for him, punch resistance, explosiveness, physical strength, all that goes away. And if all that goes away against a guy like Jim Miller, it's just going to be a long, extended, physical beating he's going to take. And I, I really expect Jim Miller to win. If, if somebody could guarantee me that Alvis would be in some kind of shape or physical condition – I'd go with Alvis, but I don't know anybody who's seen him. I don't know anybody who can comment on his weight cut. And even then, I'd have to see him in the cage fighting it that way to believe that he's really a competent guy in that division. So I'm probably going to go with um, Jim Miller. I-, I personally think Jim Miller should have dropped a featherweight earlier in his career because the big- biggest issue he has is those bigger, stronger 55 guys always find some way – to control him, or just to wear him out and then finish him. That's been something I've seen in his career routinely. Um, if Alves makes a good cut and he's ready for it, he should be able to do the same. I just don't have any faith that his, his cut's going to be good enough and he's going to be in a position to do, the, do those things to him.
0: Yeah, so there's some good breakdown there. Um, I'm picking Alves, too, just depending on how he looks with this weight cut. It is a huge, massive weight cut for him. You know, he always struggled to make – 70. So how how are we going to expect him to make 55 legitimately? So we'll see what happens come Friday at the weigh-in. But if he looks good and makes his way cut easy, I'm I'm going with Alvarez there.
1: Yeah. So but Miller, Miller's just known for that pace. He's never you never see a fight. They're not even if they win, they're not welted up and they're not exhausted because he just pushes that pace. And if if Alvarez isn't in tip-top shape, Alvarez has had issues at 170 when guys push the pace on him. Now he's going to be cutting fifteen pounds, what, fifteen twenty pounds lighter, and he's going to be fighting a guy who's known for transitions, known for fighting the pace, known for high volume. That that's not a recipe for success, in my opinion.
0: I totally agree with you there. Um, so let's look at the final fight, which is Liz Carmouche against Caitlin Chukigan. Again, um, I'm going to pick Chukigan again in this fight just because I think she is. Uh, and a great up-and-comer in the division. Um, and I think that uh, is on her way out. Uh, what are your thoughts on this fight?
1: First, I want to thank the UFC for having a lot of female fights on there. Uh, side note, I'm a fan of women's MMA. I'm a fan of all fighters. Women's MMA, women combat sports, women boxers, they don't get enough opportunities to fight. Even in all these organizations, you hardly ever hear, it's like one big women's fight. It's maybe two. And we need to get more women fighting on the car. They should be fighting more frequently, more often, so they can sharpen their skills, so they can develop fan bases, so they can not have to take other jobs to continue to give us the product, a high-quality product. First of all, I just want to make sure that's said, because they don't get enough action. They don't get enough opportunities. And me, for one, I'm tired of seeing it. I like to see them get more opportunities to get out there and show what they can do. Much much worse than having uh, the third runner-up on, the ultimate fighter who's a guy fighting. I mean, I want everybody to make their money and get their opportunity, but if I have a choice between a woman who's on her way up and has an opportunity to maybe be something special and I can see her, I'll take her every day over the second and third also rounds they, they give us who just get put on the cards because they're guys. That's not acceptable to me. I just want to make sure I, I got that out there. Um, I'm going to go with Caitlin. Her footwork, Mark Henry, and uh, I don't know who her other coach's name. I forgot. Just slipped my mine. They did an excellent job on her. her footwork. Is very sharp. She she has better footwork than the majority of men in MMA. She can knows how to feint. She knows how to pressure with her feet. She knows how to circle. She knows how to pivot. She knows how to get off the center line. She knows how to angle in and angle out. She keeps a high volume of strikes, but she 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 throws smart strikes. She's not just throwing power shots and lunging and trying trying to walk through people. She's setting up shots. She's baiting people to walk you into a right hand to check hook you. To walk you into a leg kick or a front kick or a head kick. She's got a lot of layers to her defense, the first one being her feet, but she's very good with the fein, very good with her movement, head movement, and a control of space and controlling hands, to set up power shots or to pick off shots coming in. Um grappling super well, but I know her defensive wrestling seems to be seems to be good enough facing someone like Liz Carmouche. Carmouche has some athleticism. And she's very physically strong, but Carmouche's stand-up has never been particularly developed, in my opinion. I mean, she can throw some big strikes here, there, some spinning stuff, but her setups, her entries have never been great to me. Her exits have been even worse. And if you can keep her at range and keep turning her, Carmouche, in my opinion, lacks the power. Lacks the power to make you pay. If she lands a shot, she doesn't. She can't maintain a volume against somebody who's not engaging her, and and actually, um, she just doesn't have the, the craft, in my opinion, to cut somebody off and to really force them to fight the fight that she wants them to fight. Um, she's only been able to really do good work on the feet against people who aren't known as strikers, and that's also because of the threat of her grappling and her wrestling. I don't think Caitlin fears either one of them. I think she can defend the takedowns, and I think she can limit the takedowns with her footwork, and I think she's just going to pot shot and um, jab her way to victory and just chop her up from the outside. She'll probably have to mix it up with her here and there. But uh, essentially, if she can stay away from extended exchanges on the ground, I think she wins handily for another uh, maybe not exciting win as far as most MMA fans go because they don't like more technical striking. They really don't. They like vicious knockouts and blood. But as far as impressive, I think she'll be very impressive and very technical and uh, show the fighter points of striking in a weight class where not many girls have that skill or have that ability to execute?
0: Yeah, um, I think this is going to be a coming out party for um, Caitlyn. There, so talk to me. What fight are you looking forward to the most this weekend? Uh,
1: probably the probably um probably the Joanna Carolina fight. I'm just a big fan of Joanna. I, I like how she carries herself. I like how she. She's expanded her brand. I just like how she fights. She's very aggressive. She's very intense. She does a lot of damage, but she never sacrifices her skill or 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 intelligence when she's fighting. I mean, she'll. I'm not saying she can't be she can't fight dumb because as I said, when she fought Claudia, she just fought stupid the first round and that's how she got in that position. But she shows a lot of ability to adapt. She, I think, she honors the sport. She takes it seriously, and she. She pushes the sport forward, the sport as a whole and women's MMA as a whole. Girl, her performances and her ability to get on social media and put herself and develop a brand and a character only helps all women's divisions. And so I'm very excited to see what she does against Carolina. I'm very excited to see if she shows off any new wrinkles. Um, regardless of whoever she's fighting, I'm always excited to see it because of how she, how she prepares her fights, how she executes her fights, and how she expresses herself after fights. She's just very, to me, she's like must-see TV. So I'm very interested in her as an individual and a fighter. As far as the actual fight matchup, like this fight matchup, technically and all this stuff kind of uh, interests me. I'd probably say it's going to be uh, probably Alvarez and, and McGregor. I'm very interested to see what, to what Alvarez does. And uh, I'm very interested to see what wrinkles Edgar has set up for Alvarez and in regards to the things that Alvarez likes to do and how Connor's going to take those away. I think it's going to be a much... Even if it's a short fight, I think it's going to be high-level, and I think it's going to show... Even if Connor wins quickly, I think it's going to be using high-level high, high level concepts, if not the execution. So I'm very interested in the at that as, that fight as far as a fight. But as far as an individual fighter, I'm always very interested in seeing Joanna apply her trade.
0: I am going to go with um, hmm, the Wonderboy... And Thompson fight just because, like I mentioned, I want to see Thompson win that fight, and I want to see him. I want to see him do well as a champion. So that's the fight I'm going to go with as my favorite uh, pick for this weekend.
1: I can't hate on that. It's a good fight. I probably should say Misha Tate's my favorite fight, but last time I said that, I had bad luck. So I'm going to just leave her off the off the table.
0: Ah, there you go. Um, so with that in mind, you know we're looking forward to UFC two hundred five this weekend. Uh, we will be back next weekend to talk about the event and break down just how much of an impact this was to the sport and to the industry. So with that in mind, Schwan, let people know what you're working on this week.
1: I'm still working on. I, I'm still in the midst of this work I'm doing. Uh, this piece I'm trying to do, as far as uh, MMA teams and coaches going to outside sources to get information and to get outside perspectives when training their fighters for fights, especially at a certain level. I just think it's an important thing. I think they, I discussed this last week. I just think it's too much for any one team. They get into a echo chamber where it's just similar ideas and similar points of view and you're hurting your fighter's career and you're hurting his long-term health by not at least having it, another set of eyes or an outside perspective on what he's doing and the pluses and minuses of it. So uh, you can always find me on Twitter. I usually live tweet. I usually live tweet the fights. Uh, lowercase hashtag MMA ratings. All lowercase. All together. You want to see my some of my predictions or my thoughts, or if you have any questions where you want me to answer? Just put that hashtag in, and I will uh, get to you immediately. And uh, before I hand it over to Raphael to s- say what he's working on, because he's always working on something. I need y'all to remember anybody who listened to the show last week. I didn't get all the pigs right, but Even the one I got wrong, if you listen to my breakdown and my assessment of how the fight would go and what would be the determining factor and what could happen and why this other guy could win, even though I picked the wrong guy, it was still pretty spot on. I mean, I'm not just telling you who's winning and who's not. I could tell you, like, how the fight's going to go either way and why that person's going to win either way. Like, specific examples. Doesn't mean I'm the best because I'm not. There's a lot of great guys out there. The heavy hands guy, guys, Patrick Wyman, Connor Rebush. Andrew Pearson, another guy I look up to online. But um, I know what I'm talking about. So if you're listening to the show, you're getting good stuff. And when you watch the fights, if you know how to watch fights, you'll start seeing, you know what, Shawan mentioned that. You know, Shawan mentioned that. Raphael hit him with this point, point. Schwann had an answer. You know what, I'm seeing it right here. I'm not always going to be right. But you're never going to be underprepared for any fight that we discuss on this show. And we're discussing how it's going to go, who's going to win. You're never going to be underprepared for how or why it could go this way or who's going to win
0: it. Yeah, we always got some great breakdowns on this show here. So with that in mind, I'm working on a couple of different things. Definitely got some pieces that are already ready to go up on MMA Ratings Net where you can rate all the fights and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Be sure to catch my work. Um, And, yeah, with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and close the show out as we look forward to UFC 205 this weekend.
1: All right, you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy the fights. Rafael, you take should. it easy. Don't work too hard. No problem. Man. Have a great day.